welcome to the Hangups Podcast. I am your host, Joel Pack. I am a full-time music producer, husband, and dad to three awesome kids. This is basically my way of getting some quality hang time in with some interesting people I don't get to chat with nearly as much as I'd like to. Today I had a great chat with Ransom Widener, who aside from being a really great person and talented singer, also had a very interesting upbringing. Check out Ransom and the Bad Check on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, anywhere you listen to your music. So Ransom, I would like to thank you for your time and your candor. This is good. This is good. Things are good. Life is good. Yes. Can we turn it up? How's the, can we tell if we're getting a signal, a good strong signal? Quit the, quit the text and stuff. And uh, I'm going to, I'm still not good enough to where I can't like read shit off of my phone. So okay. try not to get <laughs> uh, I am here with my friend and uh, cohort and uh, charismathlete. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Ransom Widener. Thanks where me, did we meet Ransom? I, th- I think we met for the first time at Club Orange more than 10 years ago, I want to say, right? Yeah. I think Club Orange, that was like pre-Obama. I, fe- I remember being like disappointed in the world, you know, and so probably like 2008 or nine. I would or say seven. 2008 because I, yeah. I think I met you, I was in town for a week. I was living in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Eight, or 2008. 2008, yeah. 98, 2008. 2008. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I remember being a big uh, Broke fan. And, um, so I thought it was really cool that my little brother was in a band with a bandmate of yours. I thought like, Oh, I'm now vicariously cool. Chad was in a band with my little brother, Kirk. I thought I was super cool. Uh, I thought I was super cool too. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. uh, Yeah. We, we met, we hung out briefly Uh, and I I don't know. And there was a long time before we did anything else together. Yeah. And the funny thing is I always remember that, you know, when you have those neck, the morning after being way too drunk things, Mm -hmm. you're like, damn it. I did. I was, I, you know what I mean? You start wondering. I was like, I just hopped right in and started giving you unsolicited advice. <laughs> and um, it's funny because I, I don't think that's changed at all since then. That's default. Yeah, that's my default. Nobody asked for this, and I'm not even uh, successful and said <laughs> whatever it is I'm giving advice on. But. Well, you got angry drunks, and you got like mm-hmm. horny drunks, and you got yeah. all kinds of drunks you can be, and like. Advice giving helpful drunk is there actually pretty great. Even if it's, you know, <laughs> Joel Pack helpful drunk. <laughs> yeah, even though, great. but I don't. I still I don't drink, and oh, I no, still yeah. get and I still yeah, give the unsolicited advice. You can't blame the alcohol. Well, I'm just saying you started the story by being like, I drank. I drank so much. That's I gave true. advice, and yeah, it's not the drinking. Actually, I think it's just that's just a core. <laughs> this is who I am. I guess this is who I am now. Unsolicited advice is still advice, though. Uh, yeah, there's worse things that can go unsolicited. I yeah. think. So after that was was it just banned shit? After that was it. Straight up like basement pros, King Nico. Oh man, um, so yeah. So after that period of time, I was like full on committed to to making music, my whole thing. That that whole period of time, and um, so tons of bands. The Zodiac Empire. I should all, uh, I should yeah. you know say Camden uh, Cave Doll. Um, we we started hanging out really hard just were inseparable for a while he decided to bring back another cave doll you know incarnation mm-hmm. one of the many incarnations of cave doll and uh stephanie and i and eric stoya were part of that incarnation and then we're like this is too different from cave doll it's called zodiac empire and we did that hard for like three years that band did a decade and a half worth of work 
uh, in three years. And that was another defining part of that period of my life for sure. But that was one where it felt most real, you know, where we were getting attention. We won this hard rock contest. We, I mean, there was, it was this big competition. We went down to Las Vegas twice and, uh, you know, won these contests and felt like we've got momentum. Things are happening. And then air castle records, that's Royal Bliss's record label. We were the first band that got signed to air castle records. And, you know, we're just thinking, and they put us on this really, they set up this great tour for us, you know, and then just life happens. It wasn't one or, you know, it was kind of like, we just all were being pulled by our lives different ways. And we were just holding on with our fingernails and finally it slipped, you know, and, Mm. and we just couldn't, you know, we all just had such busy different lives and we all just couldn't make it work anymore. And that was devastating. That was sort of when I was like, well, I love music. I'm not going to, I'm going to take the pressure off myself and not try to make a a job out of this anymore. And I'm going to just do it because I love it now for a little bit. Right. And then ironically, that's when like that year was the year that like, I by far played the most music, sang the most, wrote the most, made the most money, you know, like actually made like when you gave up. Yeah. When it was, when I was like, well, I guess I'll have to do something else. You know, Mm -hmm. that was like months later. It was literally months later. Seriously fun. So funny how it's like you hear, you know, the song says, hold on loosely. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And it's, it's don't care about something so much. It's just like, it's funny how easy that is not just to forget, but just to not realize you're in the middle of it all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Like, Oh shit, my, I'm holding on so tightly to this idea of this yeah. thing that I pledged my life to or whatever. Yes. Yeah. It's like, like it's I like owe they, it to myself, like this weird, yeah, like a pledge to my, that I, I have, I swore a secret vow to myself yeah. that I would like, come on, get, and, don't, and it's not like that's advice, you know, like if, if some musician was like, how should I be successful? I wouldn't be like, don't try so hard. Right. Well, <laughs> you know I mean? Some people need that advice. Yeah, definitely. Some people do need that advice. I, uh, it's, you know, that's just, it's what has worked for me in my particular way of like how music fits into my total happiness. And right. I used to put all this pressure on music. Like it was this, this thing that I owed to myself that it, I'm a fraud if I'm not if I'm not a professional musician making honest music without any regard for you know the, the commercial viability of it then I'm a fraud and it's all these things that have to be true in order for that to be true and that's ridiculous you know where do you think you came up with it? who what voice is it in your head that's telling you that do you think ah that's a good question I, I really don't know I don't I, I don't feel like I I think it's just the the musicians that I grew up with um it was uh, the the music that I liked and the bands that I liked, you know, where I thought that they were authentic, you know, and I, I don't know. So like I was, in, I loved punk rock and I loved um, the damn the man kind of thing. So the whole, if it, if it makes money or if it's made to make money, it can't be good. Mm-hmm. That was an early part of my, and then, uh, you know, I, I gave that up and I was like, no, it has to be commercially. It has to be pop, the total opposite. But the idea that I have to be, just the idea at all that people have callings and things that they have to do. I don't believe that. I don't believe in any, I don't believe in anything magical or mystical about what you do with your time, you know? Um, like there's something that you're meant to do or have to do. And yet I hold myself to that all the time. I, I think part of it's my upbringing, like, uh, you know, in, in the Mormon faith, there's the whole, you get a patriarchal blessing. And so there's this very, my whole life was like, I'm going to grow up, to do a specific thing, you know, and that's, that's just a reality of life is everybody's meant to do a couple of things, you know, and everything else is just distractions. You're meant to do these one or two things. And even though I, I left all of those beliefs 
behind that part of like people are meant to do things and I've always had this megalomania about myself as well and I feel like part of it is from you know my dad has always been like I'm going to be the most important person who's ever lived probably <laughs> and you have to carry this on after me yeah and even though you know I I'm, a, I'm, an, adu- I'm an adult and I rationally look at these things I'm like these are totally wacky ideas you know and totally wacky concepts I still it's part of my subconscious this idea of like all that stuff is fake, but the part about you being really important, that is for sure true. Right. And you have, you know, uh-huh. like you owe it not only to yourself, but truly to, to the humanity. World. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These brilliant ideas that you have in your head. How could the world exist without this poppy dance tune? You know, mm-hmm. like never rationally, my rational thinking brain is like, you do your best and everybody does their thing and whatever. For me, subconsciously, it's always like, but I am. It's very important. I need to do these things, or I'll—I mean, I'll be denying the world my yeah. brillions. So, like, when, when you when you'd like watch the doors, you know, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, or whatever, you'd be like, yeah, yeah that's, that's that's me. me. I mean, oh, def- oh yeah, really, you know? truly, yeah. I remember when I turned twenty-seven. Yeah, um, I went through this like weird crisis where it's like I haven't done anything with uh-huh. my life that's worth dying over yet and having somebody make a doors movie about me (laughs) (laughs) so i took this pilgrimage to kansas city anyway Mm -hmm. did you for me it was 23 Mm -hmm. and then 30 at 23 i was i I felt like i had to be um at least on track that was one of these mystical weird things i used to be like my journey to the cynical almost skeptic that i am now where i'm a very happy hopeful guy but uh i just don't believe in anything at all mystical or magical or at all like it's not part of my belief system at all but my journey to that started at uh this weird kind of fundamental mormonism that my dad raised me in um which is the most mystical magical you can imagine Mm -hmm. and there's a purpose and a meaning for everything you can think of Mm -hmm. to like you know by like 10 years ago i was way into the secret i was all about the power of attraction uh-huh. the law of attraction the law of accelerating returns you know so Wait, what's the law of accelerating returns the, it's the the law of accelerating returns is just some made-up thing because that doesn't because the law of, uh, of diminishing returns is real and they're right. like well what so obviously then there's also a, a law of accelerating returns so like, if like, i get no, super manic and stay up for an extra two days <laughs> yeah uh, harping on some better and better if i chase this lyrical uh, you know, wild goose for several days to find the uh, perfect word. It'll get better and better. So, um, but yeah, definitely I would watch bands that I loved. Like uh, the, the band, all things glowing brightly was, uh, this is my 23 year old band. I'm like, this will have to be the one because right. I am 23 now. Mm-hmm. This must be the one. And we wrote the weirdest music and uh, they loved Frank Zappa. And so I'd like watch Zappa and be like, yeah, I could do that. And that's me probably, yeah. you know, like, Oh, for sure. Or, you know, I loved the killers at the time and I was like, Hey, he's a Utah kid. And yeah, that could be me. I could be at, you know, Royal Albert hall. No, no problem. Yeah. No question. Obviously that's where I'll need to end up, you know? And it's, it, it's, uh, so I think that has just always been part of me, I think. I don't, and then when 30 was the other one, it was like, I turned 30 right around the time that King Nico went on indefinite hiatus and Zodiac empire broke up. Mm-hmm. And that was, and the way I handled that was like, well, I guess time to totally change everything at all. I was going to go back to school. That was kind of my plan. Uh, I did a lot of things. I applied <laughs> like within a month of, of those bands breaking up. I applied to be a cruise director. Holy I, um, I applied, uh, to, to university of Utah and I applied for this job, uh, that I have now. Um, and 
the they all kind of moved forward in good ways and i this is the the one that i chose you know but it was just sort of like well i gotta do something drastic yeah. so let's I, I almost started a, a home care like senior care business with a friend like hospice style yeah or? yeah i almost started uh-huh. a business with, with this guy that i met through um jonathan hawklander uh that i met through warner brothers he used to do anr for warner brothers back in 2011 we Man. like talked for a year trying to get king nico on warner brothers and then you know years later it's like hey you want to start a hospice <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. business with me so I yeah that was uh not I wouldn't recommend it I wouldn't say I wouldn't recommend turn thirty and panic <laughs> yeah going along with the hold on loosely thing or what and also feeling yeah. like okay you're put on the earth to do these yeah. few things or whatever do you feel like you owe any kind of responsibility to anything that you're good at or could happen for a purpose yeah or do you feel more like you know what. I kind of have zero control over where this whole thing's being uh, being steered. Yeah. So I might as well just agree with it and say yes, as so long as it's bringing me joy. I feel like uh, an obligation to not waste time yeah. or to make the most out of my time, and part of that is accomplishing things. You yeah. know, like um, I don't I don't know why that is. That's just part of my you know weird. It's a subconscious nuts. thing, but like I don't, I don't feel obligated to like the people of the world anymore. I don't think, at least. Right. But I do feel obligated not to waste my time and not to waste, you know, like I have things that I'm good at that I enjoy doing, and I'm sure that everybody has things that they love and things that they're good at doing. Yeah. But I don't know if everybody gets an opportunity to do it, and I feel like it's it just be really lazy and dumb of me. Mm-hmm. You know, I happen to live in a place where it's. It's very easy, a place and a time and a culture where it's super easy to make music and show people music. And so if I enjoy that and I'm, and I'm good at, at certain parts of it, like I, I really, really like get a lot out of it personally, then it's stupid. It's a waste to not do it. You yeah. Know? And that's, I guess, where any obligation I have comes from is this, this uh, nagging feeling of I have to get the most out of every day, out of every minute and a great way to do that is, you know, all these things that I like doing. Have you always been like that? Or do you think, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's, I, so there's a phenomenon that I thought maybe it was just me, but then I uh, talked to somebody else about it as well. And they had the same, they had the same issue. Uh, issue. It was like a, a it's like a post ransom hangover. Okay. So this is a, this is a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle in. This is a compliment, <laughs> but so we spent a weekend pitching songs. Yeah. You, oh, where, so fun. Where the Durango Songwriter Songwriters Expo, Expo yeah. where I dubbed you the Charismathlete. I like that. Um, where you just, you know, just charm the fucking pants off of everybody. Yeah. But in the meantime, you would be getting work done, uh, oh, staying yeah, out, yeah. making sure you were, I hate using the word networking, but fucking out sure, partying yeah, with definitely, uh, yeah. People, people making me, connections, yeah. Because in the back of your head, you're thinking, I'm here in uh, California on yeah. the beach in this beautiful place. I'm going to hate myself tomorrow if I had this opportunity oh, and didn't take it. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And you do that with, it's like on such a granular level. Not just like, okay, what do I do with these big things, with these big chunks of time, like two hours, three hours, or half a day, or whatever. Yeah. But 
from just what I gathered from being in a room with you for the weekend, it's like, no, it's down to like five minutes, oh, 10 definitely. minutes. What am I doing with I've this five this minutes of my time? I've got this weird nervous tick where if I feel like something's taking too long, I count down from 20. Uh-huh. I think I started doing it when I used to ride my bike everywhere mm-hmm. and walk everywhere because yeah. there were years I didn't have a car. So I walked a lot. And uh, when I was trying to decide which way to cross a road, I would like, okay, well, this one is going to take longer than 20 seconds, so I'm going to cross this way. Yeah. And But anyway, so I think that's where the nervous tick came from, but I... I think it's a useful nervous tick. Yeah. If, if I'm doing something and I feel like it's taking too long, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm on Facebook or Reddit and I'm waiting for a gift to load. If it takes 20 seconds, I'm like, that's not, no matter, I don't care how funny this cat is, there's no way it's worth 20 seconds of my time. Right. It, like, there's no possible way that it's like, so I really do, I obsess over my time a little bit, which isn't necessarily a good thing, but I, I, you know, I think there's worse things, you know, than obsessing over my time. I, I'm certainly the most effective and also the happiest. Like I'm stressed out a lot, but I really enjoy getting shit done, right. you know? And, um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm good at unplugging. I can waste hours of, uh, you know, of a night watching TV as long as it's something I like and something I'm getting actual like I feel like I'm getting joy out of this as long you know? as you're not counting to t- if you're not count if it's giving you what yeah, you want then I'm, then I'm not counting to 20 if I'm not, happy yeah, yeah. it's There's, when I'm waiting I get bored super easily mm-hmm. I, and I don't like being bored and I was I was reading that it's healthy to be bored you're supposed to it's a good idea to just sit in silence and don't pull out your phone and you know mm-hmm. like if you got to wait in line at a grocery store maybe just wait and sit there and let yourself calm down yeah and that's something i'm trying to work on because i am terrible at that if, if it's quiet like I, I shower with i've got a, like a waterproof case that my phone's in mm-hmm. when i shower i have the like uh I, I always have morning joe i've got my msnbc going while i shower because i hate the sound of silence i hate being bored you know has that had any negative effects on your life though probably that's like when i was probably when I, when I read this stuff like i can't think of, i think that i'm happy and stoked and yeah. getting stuff done but like uh, you know i i do hear that it's really bad for you to just constantly have stimulation you know do you think some people are maybe just uh and i and this goes against everything you're saying about i don't believe anything was meant to be you know <laughs> yeah. but like do you or maybe some people were built to be bored and some people were built not sure. to maybe oh, when, like yeah. some people were built to like everybody wants to spend their time doing different things and some Absolutely. people are built to be bored and some people maybe aren't built to be bored. Oh, sure. When and I say that things aren't meant to be, I just mean there's no meaning to the universe. Right, right. Uh, like, certainly, you can have proclivities and pre... Uh, you know, like, uh, like, I definitely think that, for example, I'm terrible at hand-eye coordination, mm-hmm. so I'm bad at most sports, like, really bad at them. I don't care. Like, it wouldn't be worth my time to try to get good at them. And if our society was like hey, to be successful in society, you must be really good at sports. If we were like a Spartan, if we were Mm -hmm. in Sparta, I would just, I would be a shitty society member and I would would pull everybody else down and I'd really suck. And so like, I don't, uh, definitely, I think that people are predisposed to certain things, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And and certain people are much better at being bored and Mm -hmm. some certain people uh, don't mind being bored and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. Maybe they're super chill and they're really relaxed and I'm stressed all the time and I should take a note from them. Or maybe they, they're not getting shit done, and I think she could take a note from me. Who knows? I'm just, I'm just throwing this yeah. out there, but it's like, what, what if the whole uh, mind frame of like, well, it's really good to be bored if you're whatever. Yeah. 
What if a bored if, person wrote that? Yeah. What if that's just to make <laughs> bored people feel better about themselves? Yeah, maybe, Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, um, like oh, we can, and, and this is kind of where I'm going with my post ransom hangover. Okay. Yeah. Is is just like um, when I was talking to my friend that I was talking to this about who also gets post ransom hangovers. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe we're not all meant to be as good as ransom. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And and rather than feel bad about that. I'm going to read a quote about it's good to be bored sometimes so I can feel okay <laughs> uh, about no, not getting I, I feel as like much done. You get a lot of shit done. I like to think that about myself, but man, spend a weekend with a fucking I don't know, ransom. man. I feel like I, uh, I, it's very apples to oranges. I think, um, and I, I say this to a lot of people I work with, they're like, you work so hard. I'm like, I, I don't have children. Like, I have this whole, I, when I go home, my life is really, really easy, like mm-hmm. very easy. Nobody can die. Like almost like my right. cat could die if he does something dumb, but like nobody's life is counting on me. You know mm. what I mean? Uh, so I always feel like parents or, uh, you know, people with, with resp- like taking care of, el- of aging parents. Right. A lot of people have sort of a misconception that I work harder like than, than, than they do. I, I have coworkers who are like, oh, I wish I worked as hard as you. I'm like, you do. Believe me, you do. And, and I'm, so it's not just that you run a business and you got a podcast and you've got kids. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I just feel like you were, you know, you're texting me at nine in the morning the night after staying up until almost two rocking <laughs> out and you're ready to go. You know, yeah. you're like, oh, I got some errands to run before I come by, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so uh, don't sell yourself short on, uh, on accomplishment is all I'm saying. But, uh, so you you don't have these things, and I feel like those things were uh, those things. Kids, you know, it was children. Has, oh, children yeah. has kind <laughs> of been things. a jumpstart, like where it's like, okay, I'm gonna wake up at five in the morning or six in the morning. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have kids, I wouldn't wake up at five or six in the morning. <laughs> yeah. If they weren't, uh, if I wasn't there, like cutting avocados and bananas for my daughters to eat at yeah. six o'clock in the morning, and they wouldn't my have cup. avocados and bananas. The stakes uh, are high. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and also I wouldn't be up doing that, yeah. and my brain wouldn't be rolling sure, that sure. early in the morning. And it's like, okay, if I'm if I go to bed at two in the morning after a show. I'm up. I'm up regardless. Cutting those damn avocados <laughs> and bananas. I might yeah. as well like get going doing something. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, doing, yeah. So- doing something else. I like the fact that you don't have those. Th- it seems like you live in a place where you of of gratitude. Where it's not lost on you that you're not oh. c- taking care of anybody. You wake. It's like you wake up with. I. Uh, I know people who they don't have the luxury of extra time. Absolutely. I'm going to make sure and take full advantage of extra time the same way you take advantage of two or three hours of party time in Ventura with rubbing shoulders with people you should probably be in a room with. You know what I mean? And it's like the people that I like for me anytime because it was exhausting. That was an exhausting mm -hmm. weekend and it'd be the end of the day and I'm like, I, you know, and part of it is just they're genuinely awesome, really cool people. Right. Really, really cool people. I was meeting for the first time mm-hmm. and really wanted to squeeze every moment out of it. Because um, they're, but also part of it was I remember being in my twenties and I would, I would do anything for five minutes on the phone with a music supervisor. Right. You know, at a big ad agency, like that is that, that I wanted that so badly. I tried. I I would send out press kits. I would send out. You know, I read all these books and I had the indie music bible and mm-hmm. trying to get a music supervisor on the phone. You know, or to answer an e a one paragraph email with mm-hmm. like 
yes or something that would have like made my life in my 20s and so to be surrounded by these people like yeah of course I would feel like an idiot I'd feel like I wasted my time if I didn't go and you know, sing uh, a bunch of weird covers around a campfire yeah. with, when getting wine drunk with these people. You know? <laughs> yes. like, of you, course. You owe it to 23-year-old Ransom. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, uh, do, do you feel like that? Like you owe it to the version of yourself that doesn't have that luxury? I think that's to... part of it. I think also part of it is uh, I maybe it's imposter syndrome. I always have this, or ju- I grew up in a really volatile, not volatile, that makes it sound like it was dangerous and I was never in in physical danger right. except for like starving or whatever like, I, grew <laughs> up, <laughs> starving or whatever. Yeah. I grew up in a really precarious like mm. where ba- something awful like our lives would change for the worse in an instant and it happened all the time it'd be like all right i mean because my parents did a good job of like keeping shit from us you know mm. in a good way like shielding yeah. us from how bad stuff would be financially or whatever uh-huh. but uh it, that would mean that in the middle of the night it's like all right we're packing up the car and we're getting out of town right now. You know, mm. like we have to get out of this place immediately. Yeah. Uh, we're, we've been evicted for a month, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like we have to get out now. Yeah. And so I'd have all these things that I was doing and felt like things would, would be all right. And just snap in an instant, we're going to a different city and who knows what, you know, what's happening next out of your control. Yeah, exactly. And so because like, I've got this job where I feel out of my league all the time, you know, like I dropped out of college, uh, and I'm, everybody I work with has a degree or like a postgraduate degree, you know? And so I'm like, oh man, they know that I didn't go to college, right? Like somebody's not going to come up to me one day and be like, wait a second, you're going to go to college. What are you doing <laughs> here? You can't do this. You're get signed out up, of here. You signed up for the wrong class. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. You got to get out of here. So, yeah. um, and, and that sign up for a wrong class is a great example, you know, of like I, I had to do a lot of things by myself mm-hmm. that often meant I did them wrong mm-hmm. and I would find myself in a terrible situation where I'm just screwed because my childhood was so much like that. And then in my adulthood, my parents didn't tell me how to do my taxes. And so I did my taxes wrong for years mm-hmm. intentionally because like, oh, well, I can make more money in my paycheck if I do this. And that's probably I, they let me do it. So it can't be that right. big a deal. And then it's like, oh, you've broken the law. And you like, it's like, but they let me do <laughs> it. <laughs> they let me do it. So all these things. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned like I had to, I dropped out of school because I chose the wrong class. I, I enrolled in a marketing class that wasn't part of my major. I was on a scholarship turns out at the end of the semester they're like yeah that your hardest class like you have to pay for all your school now you owe us like thousands of dollars and like i think it was like thirty five hundred dollars and that might as well have been like you owe us infinity money you know like there's no way i could have done it so there's a theme of who's looking out for me yeah yeah definitely like there's no there's no safety net here there's where's the adult where's the person where's the super where's the person supervising this situation to make sure things are supposed to going to turn out the way they're supposed to so like i've got a great i love like i should like i love my family and they're very supportive but like both of my parents uh, you know they they don't have there's nobody so if shit goes bad right i've just it's always been boom right to the ground i don't have a i've never had a safety net mm-hmm. and every time something's gone really bad it's just like hit the, the car gets repossessed you know yeah. like oh i can't make my car payment my car gets repossessed and i don't have a car and, and i my, my credit's ruined and I, it takes yeah. 10 years to fix it you know that's what i'm used to that's my experience so every day 
I'm trying to do the very most because I'm like, well, it's only a matter of time before shit goes tits up again. You right. know, like I know that that's irrational, and I know that you know I'm doing things correctly. I'm very very careful to check that I'm doing everything correctly, and I've uh, you know I've learned so much from just all the smack in the ground with no safety net. So I think that's where a lot of maybe my urgency comes from. Is this feeling of like I am making awesome music someone's going to find out that I can't read music and they're going to call me out and kick me out of the club, you know? Or yeah. somebody's you, owe, gonna, <laughs> you owe thousands of dollars because you signed up for the wrong class. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Pre- yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So I felt like I had a similar feeling whenever we would go on our bigger tours or yeah. whatever. We we went on tours, tours with some pretty huge bands. Yeah. We were playing arenas and shit for uh-huh. t- like thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. And I always felt like we're not really supposed to be here. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. I made uh-huh. sure that my past was like, I don't look like I belong. This is, uh, yeah. somebody's going to find, somebody's going to yes. find me out that I'm in the wrong spot and I'm going to have to fucking, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, imposter syndrome, they call yeah. it, right? Yeah. That's, so that's a thing. Well, I feel it's a syndrome. I feel like I am an imposter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a good. I'm a well-intentioned imposter, but yeah. you know, I always feel like I need to go into an important business meeting. Like, hi, Ransom Widener, I'm your account manager. I dropped out of college. Just mm-hmm. want you to know that I, yeah. I'm not qualified to do this. I've got yeah. some good ideas, but maybe get a second opinion. Yeah, <laughs> you know? we're gonna set the bar down here. <laughs> yeah, and I know that, like, you know, I've I've done well in my job, and I do good. I put in good work and everything, but I always do have this worry of like, eventually, someone's gonna realize that they've got some guy without a college degree doing a job where it, the you know like it says you've got to have a college degree for this you know yeah. and uh, I worry about that I worry about you know uh, losing my voice I remember losing my voice on a, on that Basement Pros tour halfway mm-hmm. through through the tour I lost it and I had to just like radically change the way that I performed all these parts and so I, I, I worry about that I'm like well I got to do as much stuff as I can before I eventually blow out my voice being an idiot yeah. some night so you know? do you think uh, so you, do you see that documentary about the fire festival? Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you feel like just that attitude of Instagram fame culture, yeah, or like yeah. people who like rent out jets so they can take Instagram pictures in them yeah. and all that kind of stuff? <laughs> yeah. It's like that's always been such an ugly thing yeah. to me, as I'm sure it felt like. To, do you know what I Absolutely, mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And but do you feel like that maybe we're hopefully getting into an age where? an employer or a client or somebody that you'd like to work with might appreciate the ultimate honesty up front of, Hey, like I'm probably going to fuck this up because maybe they realize over and over again. It's like, Oh wait, people who are uh, used to fending for themselves and maybe had some things fuck up and are honest with the fact that they're failing forward in life. Yeah. um, Tend to get the job done. Whereas the the people who are really flaunting accomplishments and Lori Laughlin's daughter, you know, yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah, yeah, all yeah. these sort of another thing I'm working on is I've got this instant snap judgment. It's like that movie Split, you know, the bad guy in Split. Have you seen that uh-uh. with James McAvoy, uh-huh. where he's this like monster who captures and eats people who haven't gone through trauma? <laughs> oh, really? I have to watch <laughs> and, this. And, uh, so and like if you've gone through trauma, then you're pure or whatever. Uh-huh. And I remember seeing that and be like, oh man, damn, that's kind of me a little bit. Like if yeah. I meet somebody and they're like, my name is so-and-so and I've got a, my, my parents are together and they love mm-hmm. each other. And I went to college uh, on a scholarship. And of course my parents helped uh, a little bit yeah. as well. Gave me a little bit of money for my starter home. And mm-hmm. it, like, I don't care how 
accomplished you are. I've got these crazy standards for like, if you were handed all that stuff and you're here yeah. and I had nothing and I'm here, what's, what the fuck is wrong with you? You yeah. know, like, uh, I, I judge people a lot for that. Mm-hmm. And I do think that there's, there's sort of a cultural backlash against entitlement, um, and against privilege, you mm-hmm. know, that started out as sort of a liberal joke of, uh, you know, check your privilege, bro, kind yeah. of thing. And now, what shocking news, rich people bribe schools to get their kids yeah, in? Like, no way. Yeah, why are, why are people so... Yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, it just seems like this has always happened, and for some reason, this time, it was bigger, and now there's this very palpable, like, spoiled rich kid um, backlash, right. which is good, I think, for the society. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, a, lo- a lot of people have it easy, and it's not to say, like, you don't have to have trauma to be a good person, right? but... Um, what I mean is people just have to work for what they've yeah. got and a lot of people get handed stuff and I'd like to see uh, more opportunities for people who you know haven't been handed stuff. Right. Cool. So I think the question was, is there more of an appetite for uh, honesty and complexity and that and you know people with failure in their background versus people who have just sort of coasted? And I don't think anybody's coasting. The thing is when, right. when you dig into like the person with the seemingly perfect whatever, there's always a different trauma. I, I you know, like, uh, I don't want to, I found out something about my own family where um, this part of my family that I'd always thought was like the, the royalty of the family and the nice, the good side of the family mm-hmm. th- where all the money was and all the class and all the privilege and all the opportunities, mm-hmm. uh, you know, years and years and years later, I find out that there was horrible abuse mm-hmm. in that part of the family. And so it's like there, there is no such thing as a person with an easy life. Right. But it doesn't stop me from judging people, unfortunately. That's the thing is it's like it can definitely go the other way as well as far as like, oh, shit, as, as easy as it is and as much uh, of a knee jerk reaction as I have to, to do the same thing where you yeah. sometimes you find it hard to trust people that haven't been through some kind of trauma. At this point, it's its own it's its own stereotype. Yeah. As far as much as like I hated the way that privileged kids looked at me or treated oh, me sure. yeah it's like oh now <laughs> you know but I mean? yeah at the same time it's like that's ah, okay they can have a turn yeah <laughs> <laughs> they can have a turn yeah. everybody has a turn yeah. of being of having a, a shitty go at it and if it's finally the turn for you know uh privileged entitled kids that's okay that's okay <laughs> you know like it'd be better if nobody had a turn if right. everybody was treated fairly but if someone's gotta have a turn it's all right if it's yeah. uh if it's the spoiled kids <laughs> yeah growing up mm-hmm. i i feel like i've kind of pieced together from we've known each other for tw- 15 years holy at, well, shit. well no like 10 or 11, 10, 11 years, years. Yeah, okay yeah. Mm-hmm. but i feel like i've just kind of tried to puzzle piece together what growing up was like from you and then okay, i've heard yeah. all sorts of like rumors about things <laughs> and so i don't know it's like yeah it's like, so my, my mental story myth. of ransom growing up yeah. has gone from uh he was raised by gypsy bandits okay that's, uh, yeah, that's pretty to, good yeah to um what is it the like F- flds style uh-huh. with the mul- multiple moms or sister moms <laughs> yeah um <laughs> <laughs> to just oh we kind of lived in the middle of nowhere and didn't have a lot of money yeah um and then the thing with like the dad stuff in a book yeah and it's yeah. like i i'm trying i've been trying to piece together a, this puzzle uh-huh it's, can you're, you like, finish pretty, the puzzle you're, you're off for pretty, me pretty you're pretty on yeah uh it's hard for me to piece it together too because we didn't like have a camera mm-hmm. or you know so like the, especially before I started school, mm-hmm. 
it's really hard to keep track of things. But we lived in a shack. Uh-huh. Uh, but I was born at like the neighbor's house. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Cane Beds, Arizona. So what's a, a shack? A shack like in a shack. Arizona. Like what my is, mom built it. Like, like it, was, it was made out of wood. Yeah, it was just made out of scrap wood. Floor. Yeah. It was, was there a dirt floor. Dirt floor. Uh-huh. Scrap wood. Yeah. Total. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and eventually it got made into a house house with the help of my grandma. Mm-hmm. Did you have like plumbing, electricity? Um, I don't remember there being uh, like, plumbing. What was your Wi-Fi like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't remember there being plumbing, but I also... I. I don't think that there was because until I was like six, I would dig a hole in and the dirt in and, and shit in it. What yeah. did you wipe your ass with? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, leaves probably. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I honestly don't remember. I think I would have toilet paper. I would just like take it with me. See, now this is some resiliency shit. Like yeah. my kid, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting to the point where I'm like, okay, my kid's too old. He needs to do a better job wiping his ass. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? And it's just like, I'm worried. Does my kid have resiliency? And it's just like, yeah, you yeah. were doing everything for yourself yeah, at a for sure. very young age. Yeah, definitely. And, um, making my own fun for sure. Me and my little, uh, little brother Kirk would like had we had nothing but we'd have tons of fun we were really good at making our own fun and making up yeah. games and stuff um but yeah so oh uh shitting in a whole story this girl that i liked my first crush the first crush i, I ever had uh, that i can remember was this girl named destry lubeck mm-hmm. and i think i was f- like five or six and we lived in uh morgan utah and I only, I only saw her once a week for you know sunday school and all the other kids hung out you know every day at kindergarten or preschool or whatever and um, so I was already kind of an outcast, but they didn't know, like my family's kind of mysterious. Um, they didn't, so people didn't really know that we were just <laughs> really, really far off the, uh, off normal. And um, I, so I had a huge crush on her. I like would draw pictures of her and stuff. And um, my shot to actually hang out with her was when uh, her mom made her invite me to her birthday party. They drive by down this, you know, long dirt road to get to our house. And mm-hmm. there I am, uh, burying a, a poo hole, <laughs> <laughs> getting picked up for a birthday party. <laughs> well, getting invited to a birthday oh, invited, party. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so that, you know, so obviously they're like, Oh damn it. Yeah. Did they no, know you're, you were right? Did they, did they knew you were, <laughs> they knew they were a... poor, but I don't think that, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, they definitely, cause I had my pants down still. Yeah. Oh, so okay. I was like, just barely like, getting up and covering up with yeah. dirt, this poop hole. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's, that's one of my earliest memories is yeah. the feeling of like, huh, I don't think that they're supposed to see this. Right. <laughs> you know, like I'm pretty sure that was like nobody's supposed to see yeah. this. Yeah. The people aren't, I don't so know. Nobody people. told you this is private. Yeah. Or what, you know, cause it was all yeah, family. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I mean, my, my family would be like, yeah, we have a toilet now. You should use that. Yeah. Did you know? You, so did you like hear your parents have sex on the regular and stuff? No, my parents did not have sex very often at uh-huh. all. As far as I know, they had sex five times cause there's five kids. Like yeah. I'm being serious. I, yeah. I think, uh, that there's a very good chance they had sex five times and, gotcha. and that's us. Um, I don't know if you knew this. That isn't part of Mormonism that you can only have sex for procreation. For procreation. That's not. It's a, it it's a thing that like, it's a thing that parents who weren't getting laid made up to feel better about. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, that was definitely their thing. They were, you know, uh, a very strange, my mom's a very normal person, you know? And mm. so it's interesting that she just put up with this shit for so long. Yeah. I would say the dirt phase of my, of my life ended in poop hole. Uh, uh maybe if I were trying to draw a rough, thing like because yeah. that was uh, from then on we had plumbing and stuff you know did you come in you're like hey this girl saw me shit we're getting plumbing we had it like w- b- that was morgan utah was the first place we moved after we left cane beds arizona or yeah. no we lived in mexico for a little while too mm-hmm. uh but i don't remember that a whole lot i don't mm-hmm. remember a whole lot about mexico 
Um, I remember my little brother almost got kidnapped, but I, I don't what remember that. That's just like part of the, you know. You don't remember it actually happened. I don't remember it, it part, of the story. part of the story. Yeah. See, that's so, that's so funny because I'm like, I'm trying to put it together thinking that, okay, he knows mm-hmm. and no. it's like putting the puzzle together and there's yeah. no frame for it. You it's know what hard, I mean? It's yeah. like, well, what shape is that? I don't, I don't know. He's got memories, but. My little brother tried to get his passport mm-hmm. and he couldn't like, it's, it was very difficult for me to get my passport as well. Mm-hmm. And for him, similar kind of thing. And uh, they were like, well, you don't have any of this stuff, any of these records. So uh, just here's an easy one. Yeah. Give us every address you've lived at. And he was like, oh, ah, uh, I don't know. Because for a, like a year, we lived with a nudist named Polly who celebrated Christmas every day. And I don't know her address. And frankly, I don't want to get in touch with her and yeah. find out what it was. Christmas and every day. Christmas every day. And we also were there for Christmas. And that was fucking insane. Does actual <laughs> so, Christmas get ramped up a bit? Oh, yeah. Christmas. It was like in. Oh, yeah. It was Christmas music blaring. Uh-huh. Like uh, everything was wrapped. Like uh, meals were wrapped. Uh-huh. Like she was. Uh, she loved Christmas. She, she celebrated every day. And then on Christmas, like the whole weekend was just insane. Oh, my God. The whole week was crazy. Yeah. But uh, that was an issue. That was also the first time I saw. I watched the movie Hook. So there was good yeah. stuff, too. You know, but oh, um, man. that's when I got into the into uh, new kids on the block. Yeah. So con- there's good con- stuff. Too. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the con. There was no context <laughs> yeah. to put the, sto- the con or the context that the story fit in was yeah. like on acid. Yeah. So like that's when I try to piece. So th- there's a lot like that. Like that w- illustrated to me how difficult it would be if I were to try to figure out, trying to figure that out, trying to figure out every address. I think he eventually got most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't need to do that when I got, they wouldn't give me that option when I got my passport. They mm-hmm. just, they were like, you cannot have a passport. Yeah. There's no way that you can have a passport. You Like, for all we know, you're, you know, some kidnapped kid. Yeah. And we can't, like, legitimize this yeah <laughs> you know? and you didn't have did you have a birth certificate no birth certificate okay. no social security number until i was 17 uh-huh. and so when you try to get a passport like here where's your birth certificate oh here you go uh no that does not count that is something you got 17 years later that doesn't count as a birth certificate yeah. i'm sorry you know oh well no it's cool my dad wrote in our in the ba- in our family bible the time and date yeah and uh how and how many ounces i was so that's cool right that yeah. counts you know and no it doesn't so my congressman had to get involved for me to get a passport wow uh, but kirk's list of addresses was not complete i don't think because he left out like pollyanna the uh pollyanna mm-hmm. the, the christmas nudist and um uh, by you know by necessity uh, but that was sort of like in a nutshell when I'm like, oh, well, what was my, I don't know. It, it was, there was the dirt phase. Mm-hmm. Then there was the move a lot phase. Uh-huh. Cause like the poorest part of our life wasn't when we were moving a lot. I think for me, at least it was cane beds, uh, Mexico, uh, uh Casas Grandes in Mexico, mm-hmm. which was like kind of by Juarez. Um, and then Morgan, that was like our brokest time. That's like when child yeah. services came over to mm-hmm. be like, do we need to take these kids away? You know, mm-hmm. like that was the really the dirt period mm-hmm. then, but we only moved like those three or four times. Yeah. Uh, and then we had, you know, a period of like five years where we just moved a ton. We moved, you know, so many times, dozens of times. Yeah. Uh, but you know, like there was always electricity and television and I was, you know, mm-hmm. watching gargoyles and like, I was part of society. I was watching Chippendale rescue Rangers right. and like I had stuff to talk about. I knew kids, I had neighbors, 
Um, so I was kind of the other phase of my life, still very weird and gypsy E and that's, you know, the part of my life where I encountered, you know, polygamists and mm-hmm. that, and that, you know, people selling, uh, garage made liquid silver, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> just yeah. uh-huh. like people who are way into Melaleuca and, mm-hmm. uh, pyramid schemes. And, yep. you know, that was kind of that phase of my life. And then when I was 10, I started school. I went to this really weird private school called Benjamin Franklin Society or Benjamin Franklin Academy for kind of the equivalent of fifth grade. They didn't do grades, Mm -hmm. but I went there for a year. It's like Montessori kind of, you know, very Mormon, uh, you know, like I would write about Nephi and that kind of thing. Uh We had a class called Heroes and it was like half Founding Fathers, half Book of Mormon Bible, Uh you know? Compared to how things were, this felt like plugged into society oh yeah this was like i am mainstream now yeah Yeah, definitely like i I, i've got friends Uh who go to school i've got a girl who likes me Uh you know like i've got uh you know like multiple friends like two or three friends you know and so that was you know a totally different part of my life and then i started public school and i was actually popular at this private school Mm -hmm. like because every all the kids were strange like me and all the kids you know were poor Uh um it was a private school but it was like parents who didn't want their kids getting indoctrinated by the government it wasn't about like oh this is the finest education money can buy (laughs) it was like you're gonna learn about george washington not martin luther king thank you very much you know it was that kind of thing not Uh a like not a a fancy thing right (laughs) and so among those kids i was cool i was uh i wasn't a weirdo you know like right and then I started public school and like they all, they all shopped the DI and they all had mm-hmm. hand-me-downs, you know? And so I did feel that I felt very normal. I mm-hmm. felt like, Oh, I, I was These weird are my and people. now I'm normal. Yeah. I'm just plugged into Absolutely. society. Finally. Yeah. These, the, all their parents are like my parents mm-hmm. and they all drink Melaleuca and all yeah. that stuff, you know? But, um, then I started public school and that was like really hard. I was like bullied and, and uh really weird mm-hmm. and you know, i was the smelly kid i was mm-hmm. the poor kid i was the kid with the shitty clothes i was a kid with the crazy parents mm-hmm. i was the kid with you know uh like nobody cared that i had uh, uh an autistic brother at at you know private school mm-hmm. like it, it was it was weird the, the, nobody was strange about it you know but a public school it was you know yeah. a definite like let's make fun of ransom and his and his handicapped brother you know yeah and Jesus. uh so that was rough. So was he at the public school as well? He wasn't. No, Brucey had a really hard. Brucey had it the hardest, mm-hmm. I think, of any of us. Cause it's like my big sister had it harder than me because I wasn't making memories. And the worst part of this, you know, right. like, like I, I know that there was Mexico. I, lo- I know we lived there, and I know we lived in cane beds, but I wasn't really keeping track, you right. know, at that point yet. You're still figuring out what your arms do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Kari had it the hardest of us, uh, you know, like of. Uh, of us kids except for Brucey mm-hmm. and Brucey just recently, like three years ago, um, was taken from my dad and, uh, you know, as a ward of the state, the, he has mm-hmm. a state guardianship. Um, he's in a great program. He's got yeah. a great apartment. He's got doctors and all these things. It's great now. Yeah. But he, his life was just, you know, um, locked in rooms and left in the car oh. while we're doing stuff. Cause like, we would, you know, and it, it was hard because we'd be like, okay, let's take Brucey to church. And he would like shit all over stuff mm-hmm. and like, like Which couldn't happen. Oh yeah. And like cause damage and mm-hmm. cause a, an enormous scene. And that was, and it was like, oh wow, this is horrifying. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it wasn't just like a little bit embarrassing. Like there'd be 
times where Brucey would would flip out and it would be really bad and dangerous and mm-hmm. the police would get called. Mm-hmm. The police have been called on Brucey so much. It's mm-hmm. so unfair to him. Yeah. You know, be, and I started to worry a lot because, um, you know, I remember seeing uh, a news story about a uh, an autistic man who was shot by the police because mm-hmm. they were saying, you know, stop, turn around, stop, get on the ground. And he wasn't, he wouldn't, and they shot him. And Brucey got away from my dad a couple of times because my dad would like go to a meeting or go to lunch with us kids. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't know that Brucey is just locked out in the car. And, you know, like he's autistic. He's, he still, it, you know, he would treat him like he's, you know, like an animal and can't figure out things. And it's like, he can figure out how to undo a child lock, you yeah. know, and he would get out and he would, you know, uh, not have any pants on and wandering down downtown Salt Lake one time mm-hmm. and got arrested. And, uh, or no, 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 the, the time downtown Salt Lake, he wasn't, he was walking out without his pants on right in front of Red Rock, right uh, there on Second West. Yeah. And I happened to notice that he, that like, I was like, dad, is Brucey in the car? You know, I'm like, I'm gonna go, I gotta go check on him. You know, mm-hmm. I was really upset that he'd been left in the car. I went out, he wasn't there. I freak out. I walk around a little bit. I find him walking around without his pants on. Somebody's like like people are crowded around him mm-hmm. and I have to explain, don't call the police. He's, you know, yeah. he, he's autistic. He's nonverbal. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, but how old are you? Oh, this was, this was only a, this wasn't long ago at oh, all. Okay. This was like five years ago or gotcha. something. So yeah, this is about five or six years ago. So about four, three or four years ago. Um, so I had this in my mind and, and my big sister and my mom had been working really hard to get Brucey taken away from my dad because mm-hmm. he just, he wasn't fed well and just all these terrible things. And he'd always, my dad had always had this thing of like, I've got to keep him away from the government. The government mm-hmm. will, you know, will dope him up and will ruin him and right. you know, all these things. So, uh, he was very resistant to any government help at all. Um, I got a phone call when I was making a Zodiac empire music video in the middle of, you know, Mo- like way off the beaten path in Moab. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they say, you know, we, uh, your dad's been arrested. Brucey's been arrested. You're their emergency contact. We think that Brucey should not be in your dad's care. This is your call though. Yeah. And I was like, Oh damn, this is a lot of pressure. You yeah. Know? And, um, I was, you know, I'm like, well, yeah, for now, definitely let's go down that path. And I talked to my mom and my sister and they were really happy that that was the outcome. And mm-hmm. it's years later, you know, now, yeah. and he's been in this, in this great program. And, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he had a, yeah, he's so the, the long answer to your short question, he was not in public school. No, he never, um, until very recently, he never had any kind of education, which is, a real tragedy and a real crime against so, him, I think. What was, what was, so you're, this may be on topic and it may be completely off topic, <laughs> yeah. but your dad's book. Oh, so my, oh, was that thousand page? Yeah. So yeah. did that start, has that been a thing since for as long as you can remember? Um, as long as I can remember. Yeah. We moved down to Cane Bed so he, so that he could write down this, he could write down his manifesto. And that's kind of, is that kind of what you feel like, his life revolved around and your family's life revolved around? uh, It's part of it. Like his life is like 30% conspiracy theories, 70% um, why breaking the language barrier is the most important work that God has ever put a person on the planet to do. And that person is him. That's Mm -hmm. like most of his life is he is a brilliant linguist. He Mm -hmm. speaks 15 languages, professionally translated like 10 languages, you know, uh, he they called him the Utah Flash when he you know uh, translated for JPRS at the CIA. Like uh-huh. he was a really he's a brilliant linguist, a really brilliant person. Mm-hmm. Um, and the flip side of that coin is 
that he, you know, he's this, I love him. He's a megalomaniac. And yeah. he, um, I remember when they, um, when they called, you know, uh, to say we've arrested Bruce and we've taken Brucey. And then they said, did you know that Bruce is, um, is mentally ill? And I'm like, yeah, idiot. He's my big brother. I've yeah. known him my whole life. But yes, I know he's mentally ill. Like, no, Bruce Sr. You know that Bruce Sr. is mentally ill, right? And I was like, I guess, yeah, but I've never heard a doctor tell Every, me that. Like, but everybody kind of thinks their parents <laughs> yeah, are mentally yeah, ill. Yeah, exactly. Everybody thinks their parents are crazy. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's interesting to hear a doctor say that he should be committed for six months, you know? Yeah. And um, so, but yeah, uh, his he had this manifesto. He's kind of hangs out with the, there's a part of Mormonism that is the people who the main thing that appealed to them about it was like, Oh, the government's evil and we're going to go out into the frontier, you know, like, fuck yeah, that's my yeah. jam. I'm going to go out and start a country, you know, mm-hmm. let's go build a military and have our own money and shit. Like right. there's that part of, of the Mormon heritage. Mm-hmm. That's all about like down with the government down with it's everything, r- but me and my personal connection to God. There's a very thick anti-Semitism mm-hmm. in it. There's a very thick white supremacy in it. Mm-hmm. There's a very, you know, uh, it's a really dangerous kind of part of, it's uh, like the Bundys, you know, right. the Cliven Bundy and Ammon Bundy, mm-hmm. the people who took over the bird refuge. Yeah. Though it's that, there's that kind of Mormonism. Yeah. And that is definitely my dad's kind of Mormonism. It's not yeah. fundamental Mormonism. We were never into polygamy. Mm-hmm. Like we had polygamous friends and family and like, some kind of shitty stuff, you know, in that world as well. Mm-hmm. But like, that was never our Mormonism. Our Mormonism right. was this like weird fundamental and his book. So he wrote this thing, the thousand page course. It's all about the history of the world as told from a very, um, Eurocentric, like, let's look at Snorri Sturluson, uh, the Icelandic poet, and let's take his stories. And they are fact. Like oh, wow. the Norse people are the most pure, great, godly people who ever lived. Mm-hmm. All that shit about rape and pillage. It's Roman propaganda, you know, to, to make the Vikings look bad. They were a very godly people. Mm-hmm. Jesus, after he visited the people of America, you know, in the Book of Mormon, he also visited the people of Europe, you mm-hmm. know, in Northern Europe, and he's Woden and Odin. This is like this version of history that my dad wrote out as a yeah. thousand page course. It's like what he moved to the middle of nowhere to do. Mm-hmm. But his main jam has always been languages and trying to uh, there's, you know, there's part of Mormonism is in order for the second coming in order for the, like the, the, not the Jubilee. What do they call it? The rapture. Rapture. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> Jubilee. I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> in order for the rapture to happen, everybody has to hear the fullness of the gospel in their own tongue. And because you can't be held accountable if you don't know. You don't know right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he's always thought that that's like, this very he's been called to do that that's the most important thing in the world it's more important than his family it's more important I mean, than his kids it's more important than that's his like health. joseph smith oh for sure oh, he's, that's, he's obsessed with joseph smith my dad mm-hmm. is born like i think a hundred years or 150 years some important number to, to like the, the minute or something after joseph smith he's the exact same height uh-huh. exact same build you know oh and my he, god he with, takes that very seriously well and with the conspiracy oh, theory, yeah. you know, it uh-huh. seems like Definitely. similar Path, you he, know. He, he has it's a, that's a fun road to go down oh definitely it, it feels seems good. it's fun for him i'm sure <laughs> it's got dopamine hits oh yeah and, yeah but uh so that you know that was mostly so a lot of our thing was you know we didn't go to public school because it's the government you know that's not mm-hmm. a mormon thing that's a weird conspiracy thing you know right so there there's those two kind of worlds very 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 important to him the church and his version of the church um and then 
less equally, but still very important. No vaccines, mm-hmm. no um, shots, no medicine. Right. If we can avoid it. I got my teeth worked on without any like Novocaine or shit mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Jesus. Just like, oh yeah, just drill your teeth. It's mm-hmm. fine. You know, like I got it like an abscess tooth fixed without any shit at all like mm-hmm. no novocaine no gas because I, t- I had gas one time and my mom saw it and she was like whoa this is scary you know like it's yeah. like you're on drugs and uh so they were very against that um didn't take tylenol even like i think I, the first time i had a tylenol was when i was like 19 and i uh was about to get my wisdom teeth out and it did it really feel like hurting. sinning a little bit? Yeah, I, it did. Even though by then I'd, but I'd had sex, smoked weed, and yeah, drank but alcohol. Still, you're I was right. still like, oh, Tylenol. I'm not supposed to do this. Yeah. yeah. People die from this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Man. it's uh, that's his whole, his book. He had a, we wrote some interesting, we, we wrote a book called How to Learn Spanish in 24 Hours. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it's Donnie Osmond or Marie Osmond, but it's one of the important Osmonds is uh, like one of the, book endorsements yeah you know he, he he's great at teaching people languages and um taught all of us kids like kind of basic rudimentary french german spanish and russian wow you know, when we were when we were little yeah and you know like really cool brilliant guy uh who put his family through hell because he just it was way less important you know he he liked to quote that thing in the bible Un, uh, unless a man's you know friends and family and very self are as dust and droth next to the glory of God mm-hmm. you know, then you won't have the blessings of the ancients and so right. it's like oh yeah you know I'm uh, uh, Job oh, he's yes. like if I gotta be Job I'll be Job and like I'm Job though you guys are the family that gets wiped out to make yeah. a point like I'm Job you right. know I'm the important one it sucks they're gonna write about me yeah they'll write about me they'll mention that you guys had a, a rough go right. but you know but how cool is it that you guys got to be the family of job <laughs> exactly and this is a thing that i i've always kind of resented um about uh my dad got this so you know, I, was, I was talking about patriarchal blessings it's a big part of mormonism um every kid when they're like 18 or I 19 nine. yeah i got 12 R- 12 really 12 by uh mitch Ro- mitt romney's dad shit he was my patriarch wow. Damn. He put his hands on my head and told me my future. Yeah, yeah. what was that? Anything uh, cool? Yeah, he said I was going to be in an industry where I was going to be pulled to break the word of wisdom. <laughs> hey! <laughs> oh, cool, <well>. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think there, maybe there's he predicted, something to predicted. He predicted my uh, first divorce, too. I remember, but mm. I'm like, is this... Uh, or no, it was like, be careful who you... Like, it was like, double, yeah. double check that shit. It's a lot of a, you know, like... It, it's like a really good uh, horoscope. I'm also you know? an Aquarius. Yeah, I was just saying, I'm <laughs> yeah. also an Aquarius. but um mine was just you know very pedestrian like Mm -hmm. you'll have a family and you'll raise them in zion and you will provide for your children and the most important thing you can do is be a good husband and father and Mm -hmm. it's pretty pedestrian and my dad's was like one of the lines was you will be a man of unequaled leadership among men you'll have means sufficient for your day and you'll be a man of unequaled leadership among men and he took that to mean that he will be the most important person alive, you know, like maybe not ever, but at one time you mm-hmm. will be the most important person in the world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's always informed his, his life and his way that he does things. And yeah. so, you know, when it came down to like, oh, your family is like starving, you know, maybe, maybe 
get like a part-time job just enough to get like reliable groceries mm-hmm. and maybe pay rent so that's they're a not slipper, always moving. That's a slippery slope though. <laughs> to giving you know up I mean? on your dream. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. But, Which is funny. It's so yeah. shitty because I, I feel like I understand that oh, of mind course, frame. Of I can totally understand it and it's just like... I'm glad for it though. Like the thing is it's I, I feel like it would be very easy for me to be like, look, I'm great at music and I love it. Fuck everything. I'm just going to dump my life into it because eventually the secret or whatever, if I believe hard enough, I work hard enough. I've been raised to, you know, like the world says that if you're, if you work hard and you believe in yourself, eventually you'll achieve your dreams. Don't give up on your dreams. Mm -hmm. And I am here to say, give up on your dreams a little, like don't, don't kill yourself for a dream. You don't owe your dream anything. You're not obligated to your dream. You're obligated to yourself and to the people you care about, you know, like that's, so I, I'm, I I remember, you know, kind of an inflection point of my mid twenties and, uh, people being like, I'd, I'd lost my job at Verizon and I was like, I'm going to just coast on my savings for a little bit and see if I can really make something happen with music, like not having anything else to distract me. Right. And I was like, I've got mm, a year, maybe a year and a half worth of money. I blew it in six months. And then I was like, okay, so I've got my, I've got some friends saying, don't get a job. You're so close, Ransom. You're so close. You've gotten so much done this year. Just keep on do like do whatever it takes, this but like move or whatever, like move back into your family. This is your point of accelerated yeah. returns. Oh yeah, da- exactly. If you really dump your time into this, mm-hmm. it's gonna. And I and I was like, no, I'll, I'm I'm gonna go work at the Gap. I'm gonna mm-hmm. go fold cardigans. You know, I'm gonna do not super fun or rewarding work because I don't. I like I need to, you know, not be that shitty guy who you know just crashes on his friend's couch for months and months and months and years i'm not exactly i'm not gonna be my dad i'm mm-hmm. not gonna be somebody who just says look my dream is so important that i need you and you and you who have jobs and work to basically sort of take care of me because you're like my patrons like i'm a very important artist mm-hmm. that you know you guys uh, you have your stupid shitty menial jobs but that the purpose of those jobs is for you to take care of me. You're going to be that person in the yeah. story when the Doors documentary comes out <laughs> yeah, exactly. where I got kicked out of your yeah. house finally for <laughs> yeah. breaking your table from yeah. Coke and women. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I didn't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I thought, you know, look, I know how this story goes. There's nobody who believed in himself more than my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, he believes it with all his heart. It was not a matter of not, of not believing enough. Mm-hmm. And it's not a, matter, not a matter, matter of being shitty at it. And it's not a matter of not being good enough at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can be great at something. He's a brilliant translator. You can work really hard at it. It's all he ever did. You can believe in it. He was obsessively believed in it and still have absolutely nothing to show for it. You've got to be able to, to know, like, I, I, at least for me, I'm like, my responsibility is... I have a responsibility to have a, a certain level of dignity about myself, you know, yeah. and to not allow my life to be the guy who got his car repossessed and, you know, is living at his friend's house, you know, and like just really going hard at this dream of his. Cause the dream is so important. Right. I just, I don't, I just don't buy that. That's something that I feel like is really strong in our culture of chase your dreams. Don't give up on your dreams. Never give up on your dreams. 
that's you're you don't owe your dreams shit and right. and you know what people dream of stuff a lot and it's and it turns out to be a stupid idea yeah you know and dreams change and i and things you love change and uh you know like if if at first you don't succeed try try again definitely if at like fifth you don't succeed maybe try <laughs> something else yeah. like maybe have, maybe it's time to have a frank like discussion with yourself about like your strengths and weaknesses right. perhaps <laughs> right, right maybe you need to look objectively at your life if you keep on trying something and it isn't working you know hold on loosely hold on loosely <laughs> ben moffat always says when it's right it's easy i think that there's a lot to be said for hard work of course yeah but when something's right it's it comes a little bit e- more easily and then you have to work really hard to make it perfect you know but right. if something you know if it's right it, you yeah hold on loosely don't try to if you're if you're really trying to strangle something out of something else mm-hmm. maybe you're barking at the wrong tree maybe yeah. you know maybe try another well you know yeah. there's a lot of metaphors in that <laughs> um so i was gonna you were, i don't remember if you were saying like god bless my mom's heart for oh yeah, yeah. you know uh-huh. like why you know she's she's you're just saying she's a very she's a very loving and perfectly rational person who you know i think at some point you just you get so invested in something it's really hard to be like man why i can't just give up on this now like i put yeah. so much into it and i've and i've sacrificed so much i've endured so much bullshit mm-hmm. like that it's i imagine probably very difficult you know for her it seemed like it was really difficult you know even when it was really shitty and the walls were coming down and she's like i have to get out of this relationship i have to you know try to have a normal life mm-hmm. um it was still really hard for her you know yeah. and, there, and she she kind of waffled back and forth a little bit you know she i remember her telling me she uh was going to leave my dad and then decided to stick with it and she told her twin jerry from the prairie is back you know like you know talking about cane beds like jerry from the prairie is back i'm gonna i'm in i'm in this for the long haul uh and then was like actually no that's no never mind (laughs) yeah but i mean that was you know like her family you know uh, had always had several times you know had to be the ones to you know take care of us and uh, take us in and help us out and and you know I think that they were relieved but uh yeah my aunt Terry wasn't happy when she like Jerry from the Prairie is back you know because uh, that meant okay well I guess I'll just keep putting the, putting up with this stuff you know yeah Jerry from the Prairie Jerry is from back Prairie. Yeah. Uh-huh. means she's sticking with it she's sticking with the hard life and the, gotcha. all the shit because it's part of her calling you know right to like raise these kids in this difficult situation and help make this dream a reality you know as far as like respect and stuff for your mom went i just it's okay so you've always been noticeably very respectful to women and you treat you know you i from from what i can tell you 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 seem to be i've been a shitty 20 guy guy, yeah yeah. but you you know i uh you see you seem to be you and steph seem to work real well together for and not that's not for a lack of you uh having a a respect oh absolutely you always speak very highly of her her and my big sister and yeah yeah. Uh and so is that something that you feel like has just always was, was innate from the way you grew up? Is that something that so. you're from your mom or did your, did your, my dad was always like, um, my dad has always been very respectful yeah. to women, which, you know, for all of his flaws, you know, I talk about, Oh, my childhood is so crazy and dangerous and, and, uh, there's a lot of shitty things about it, but you know, there was never 
I, I think my mom spanked me once. Yeah. My dad maybe spanked me maybe once. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, and my dad was always very respectful to everybody. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, in his old timey racist way. He was, <laughs> you know, like um, he would say, "Oh, I love Jewish people," you know, but also Ashkenazis run the media, and uh-huh. I love black people, but oh, they just got to stop making this music and stuff that poisons you children. And you yeah. know, like, I mean, I, the, he so generally respectful i was raised in a respectful family at least toward uh mormon everybody who's mormon men and women were equally respected um and yeah definitely a respect i didn't learn disrespect you know from my dad and i feel i feel like he did he did you know teach me respect in a way of women um but most of my respect came from the fact that my mom and my big sister just you know held everything together themselves you know my my big sister isn't that much older than me but she felt like so like a generation older than me because you know she just uh, had to do so much stuff to help keep things running and keep uh you know (laughs) keep shit together yeah so it was her you know those two raising me you know really and and my dad was part of it my dad my dad had all a lot of cool sayings and uh like good advice and interesting, you know, life lessons. Right. But the actual raising was my mom and my sister helped a lot, you know, and my dad would just be gone a lot of the time and lived separately a lot of the time. You know, they were, they, they weren't separated, but he would, him and Brucey would live, you know, down the block or something or in the, if the house had a mother-in-law apartment, they'd right. live there, you know? Yeah. So I think, the way uh, the way that my mom and sister impacted the way that I see women is just by being really really badass and um, yeah. great examples you know that's awesome like all so, the greatest things that I learned about like how to treat people you know right. was was from them you know about like treat people like they're your family and treat people like you know them already and treat people like um, you know not just treat people like you'd be treated because maybe you're, you're shitty to yourself yeah like, treat people like like you love them and you care about them even though they're a stranger start from there start don't start from zero start from like you care and you're invested in in them you know and then work backwards from that don't start at zero and wait for them to impress you you know that's awesome from the outside okay cool you went through this hardship and it taught you this and now you're doing this and you went through this hardship and it taught you this and now you're doing this and uh what in in the spirit of the hang-ups podcast yeah is there anything that you feel like currently is the next thing you're trying to work through that you're hung up on because of, do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good question for me right now. It's, um, demystifying a purpose, you know, like I've had a hard time making my next big goal. My dad always talked about one of those cool things he said, you know, uh, in lieu of raising me was (laughs) major definite purpose. Like what is, um, he was really into Napoleon Hill, who wrote, like, Napoleon Hill interviewed all the most important white men. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew well, Carnegie well. and uh, the Wright brothers and Thomas yeah. Edison and, and Henry Ford and, um, all, you know, and they all sort of had the same recipe for success. Mm-hmm. Uh, steal the idea from somebody else and blame the Jews. Uh, no, uh, but no, their, their, uh, their recipe for success was make a plan break it down into smaller plans. Uh, but they were very mystical about it. You know, right. like this is your, this is what God put you on this Christian earth to do right. is your major definite purpose. And, uh, 
so that was always how I framed my life. Like, what am I meant to do? And I would have these things, you know, like, mm-hmm. like you know, that's why I felt obligated to them. Yeah. Um, they were my purpose. And I don't have that anymore. And I've, I, I think my hangup is like, how do I find a purpose? Like something, something that can, I can give, you know, meaning to, um, and a, a bigger than a goal, you know, a goal is, you know, whatever I, but I, I don't feel like I have a giant goal ahead of me. Right. And part of that is because I'm trying to figure out, okay, well, I don't believe in this major definite purpose anymore. <laughs> so what do I believe in instead? Is it just all these, like one of my goals was I'm going to make a certain amount of money, you know, this, this particular year, that's mm-hmm. a shallow goal, but it was good. It like helped me like, okay, well, if I need to do that, then I've got to do something in addition to my job. So I'll do this and this, and that will do it, you know, yeah. and it's been good in that way, but that's like a really shitty, lame goal. Like I'll make a certain amount of money this year, you know? Right. Uh, that was the closest thing I had, you know, and then I've got all these, you know, like I want to, well, I want to make this EP sound good and I need mm-hmm. to get this, uh, you know, this thing put together for, for work. Yeah. Um, but no giant, like giant calling, thing. no calling. Yeah. And, uh, I think part of it is just a hang up of me, of my whole, like, well, I don't believe in anything don't like be that like anymore. My dad. Yeah, exactly. If I got off calling or a purpose, yeah. then that's one step closer to being Absolutely. like my dad. And so, uh, that's my hang up right now. I think I'm trying to like one of, uh, one of the hang ups is trying to give people a fair shake, even if they weren't, Oh, you didn't shit in a hole in front of your crush. Yeah. <laughs> nice try. Uh, not interested. You couldn't possibly be useful. Uh, yeah. You know, like part of it is, um, acknowledging that you don't have to have a, a shitty traumatic yeah. uh, anything to be a, a valuable member of society. Yeah. That's like a, a hang up like I really do work on a lot. Mm. Part of it is learning to not not be hard on myself, uh, to allow myself to just do stuff, you know, that waste time and that's mm-hmm. fine. That's, you know, uh, and that's a, that sounds like a dumb hang up, but it's like that is a real you know problem I have of like I don't want to waste time. I don't want to risk wasting time. Yeah. I don't want to risk like oh I, if I'm not having a blast or learning something or being useful, like oh shit that'd be miserable. It's a missed opportunity. Yeah, exactly. That's a hang up of mine, and I'd say my biggest hang up right now is okay. Well, yeah, I don't want to be my dad. I don't want to be have a a calling or a you know, a purpose Mm -hmm. or, you know, a dream because those have not been so great for me, you know, I, but how I, I gotta have something big. I gotta be working towards something big. I'm always my best, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. And then I guess a a parallel hang up is this idea of, well, shit, I haven't had a a big goal in two years, three years. And those have been the most successful, happy, productive, three years of my life. Right. So are goals fucking important at all? Or do you just like let other people find goals and you help them with, with those, you know, yeah. and maybe that's what I do is I, you know, like I don't need to come up with a goal. I can just, I don't So I don't know that that's my hang up. I, I really feel in a very stereotypically middle-aged white man way. This like, what do I, what do I do next? Yeah. You know, not what's my purpose, but like, what do I do next? What do, when people say, where are you, where are you in five years? I'm like, I haven't, I don't know. Like, and it's not, it's just because I, I, I have no idea. I, I, I don't know. I haven't taken the time. I keep, I'm like, man, do I just need to go do acid in the desert and figure my shit out? Like, I have no idea. I don't know what I want to do next. And I feel like that in and of itself is a hang up. Mm-hmm. And my reaction to it of like, well, uh, maybe I don't need a goal or maybe goals are bad or whatever. Yeah. You know? 
Hell yes. Well, thank you, Ransom. My pleasure. I'm Ransom Widener, and thanks for the hang. (laughs) 